Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 103 of the Quickie Podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I got another great guest for you. Today, my guest is Danny Lin. He's currently the product designer at the University of Washington. During this episode, he tells us how he loved and collected record sleeves when he was younger, pet shop boys specifically, that was his thing. He originally studied theater in college and then went to study design in art college, and his first job out of art school was in Germany. He just brings it up completely casually out of the blue. Yeah, finished school, went to Germany. I had to circle back and double check that I heard that, right? He also has some great advice for designers who are sharing their portfolio, looking for work, and how to really work that network. Work that network. Work that network. Work that network. I almost want I almost want to put that on repeat. I like it. We also talk about a project that he was a part of that was derailed by provincial scandal. Provincial scandal, everyone. He doesn't get into the nitty-gritty details, but he definitely shares some lessons learned there. We also talk about a story that he's really proud of, and it was a for the GDC where they assembled this dream team of designers and communicators and creative directors and did a project for a kid's summer camp. And it was just this pro bono give back to the community kind of project and why he was so proud of that. Gosh, so much more in this episode. So let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Danny Lin. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Danny. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Awesome. Uh, I'm happy to have you on the show here. Finally, we were able to connect. <laughs> we were able to do it. Only took the summer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, are you ready for a quickie? I am ready for a quickie. Perfect. Well, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Danny Lin, and I am currently a designer at the University of Washington in Seattle. Uh, Started, you know, in set design and uh, made my way through the years to uh, where I am today. Awesome. And what were you doing before you started working at the university? Uh, I was working in um, Calgary, actually. I was, uh, you know, doing a number of work for startups and uh, large telco out there. Mm, okay. Tell me about that a little bit. Oh, sure. Uh, you know, there's a <laughs> there's a very large Western Canadian telco. You might have heard of it. It's Shaw. Um, I spent a lot of years working uh, in house there on their um, digital side. Hmm. Yeah, very familiar with Shaw. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a Telus customer. Just saying. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I feel like there can only be one. So maybe we can fight and chop some heads off. Yeah, we'll figure something out. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. I want to dive back further than that, and I want to sort of piece together sure. the, this story to, about how you got to where you are. And I want to start with your childhood. Um, what was that like? Do you feel that you had a creative childhood that led you in this career path? You know, 
I, I think obviously it must have. I, I mean, the you know where I am today came from where I was then, mm-hmm. and um, you know, kind of what has happened is you know I'm I'm, I'm kind of a child of two countries. Um, you know, I was born in the states, mm-hmm. and you know my parents moved up to Canada when I was a kid, and you know I spent a lot of summers just down in California, you know, around uh, the Bay Area there, and uh, you know I think. You know, there, there was a lot of different sort of upbringings. You know, I had sort of like, you know, a prairie lifestyle, obviously, like, you know, like whatever it was, uh, 10 months of the year. And I was mm-hmm. down in like, you know, like the big city, you know, like maybe going to museums or record shops as a, you know, kid, young teenager. Um, you know, and I think that definitely that shaped who I was. And, you know, I think there were other times where, you know, honestly, I just had a lot of free time. <laughs> you know, that's a lot of free time to watch TV and uh, eat cereal. Yes. Okay, what was your cereal? <laughs> what was your go-to? Um, you know, I was in the States. I, I, I really liked Lucky Charms, I'm, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> Don't be sorry. That's a brilliant ah, choice. You know, that's... Raisin Bran was pretty cool, too. But, you know, that, that was a Canadian thing. So, <laughs> Raisin Bran wasn't cool. What? No, no. It's cool so long as you get the soft raisins. <laughs> <laughs> not the soft stale ones. <laughs> okay, maybe, maybe I've never been blessed with the soft raisins in my raisin brand. Right, <laughs> right. Perfect. I'll get back into it. Um, sure. Okay, so I'm piecing this together here. And did you? Did your were your parents designers? Were they creative, or was there a, a creative influence in your family? It. I, I don't think there was. Um, you know, I, I I had a sort of a. A relative who was in the creative field, but I didn't know her too well. She lived down in Vancouver. I saw her maybe a handful of times throughout the, um, my life. Um, but really, I I would say it, it didn't seem that way. No. So you came to it on your own then? I think in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, I mean, probably like a lot of kids growing up, I, I liked reading comic books. Uh, I, I think I hoped one day I could be drawing for comics, and you know, didn't quite work out that way yep. yet. <laughs> there you go. Time, there's still time, Danny. There's still time. Um, so what do you think is the, the moment where your sort of design light bulb was flicked on? Like what, what pointed you in that direction affirmatively? Who, you know, affirmatively, you know, um, it's a tough one. Cause I think obviously like, there was a lot of things I did that I was kind of, you know, in the back of my mind, I was thinking design, but I maybe had quite made that, um, affirmative, click mm-hmm. um kind of like until partway through art college um you know even like you know it was like the last day to register for your major and i had made you know i wanted to major in drawing <laughs> <You know? laughs> but i i ran to some friends in the hallway and they like kind of convinced me to um you know throw my hat in to do design and uh you know i did that and next thing you know or years later next thing you know <laughs> I'm, I'm still designing today which is uh fantastic Awesome. So was there a, a particular design or anything that you started seeing around you in, in this process of, you know, exploring your creativity and going, getting into school? Um, what kind of creative stuff did you start seeing out there that related to design? Uh, yeah, you know, um, you know, I think like a lot of teenagers, I was definitely, uh, interested in music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was a big Pet Shop Boys fan in the day. And sure enough, it's like one of those ones where like, you know, they have a lot of high design concept albums or, right. or like, you know, for the um, visual design. 
And at the same time, they also had a high output of 12 inches. <laughs> so, you know, it felt like I was always getting like, you know, like newly designed, pretty awesome record sleeves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you know, we kind of talked about how like maybe I didn't have a super creative, um, you know, background growing up as a kid. But, you know, when I went to university, um, you know, I was like studying theater. So to back up, I went to university to study theater mm-hmm. and then I went to art college after that. Got it. Okay. Okay. So when I was in university studying uh, theater there, yeah, I kind of felt like I really, um, you know, started coming into my own a little bit, just sort of getting a lot more exposure to art and uh, performances while I was up there. And, you know, I kind of, you know, kind of became a, a big fan of like, you know, the sort of things that could be done in um, a set design context. Mm-hmm. Got it. So is there one of those designs or something else that might stand out to you as, you know, an influential or the most influential design of your life so far? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I don't think there was like, I, I wish there was like the one singular thing, but I kind of felt like it was kind of all like, um, you know, a culmination, you know, there's like, uh-huh. you know, a lot of great, uh, you know, 12 inch covers I'd seen, you know, um, people, you know, designers like Mark Farrow, Peter Seville, you know, um, so that, that was Adrian Shaughnessy as well. Um, so those were all pretty awesome during those days. And, um, you know, I think at the same time, that kind of married that to some of the, um, productions I saw, you know, I, I was kind of really glomming onto, um, you know, a lot of set designs that maybe were not like super, realistic you know like you may be a little bit more metaphorical you know used a lot of light um things that kind of just allowed you to use your imagination a lot more so maybe mm-hmm. things that were like um had a lot more improvi- improvisational as a as um nature so that those were the kind of things that i kind of kind of felt like they were all sort of coalescing a little bit into my design sense Got it. Okay. I'm putting it together here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you have any designers or brands that you look up to now or closely follow? And what about them do you like? Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I look up to Ez Devlin. Uh, she's a sonographer based out of the UK. Um, you can watch some of her stuff on uh, Netflix's Abstract. But, you know, she's done work with, like, again, the Pet Shop Boys. Again, um, <laughs> Kanye, uh, <laughs> Muse. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's definitely awesome, um, you know. And then uh, you know another, uh, you know, it's 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 a bit of a tough one because sometimes I think, um, you know, kind of like you're as good as your last thing sometimes, right? And totally. you know, maybe there's people that sort of just, you know, struck it hot, kind of like you know, go on and do other things, or maybe for a moment in time, you you kind of capture a zeitgeist, right? Yep. Yeah. Got it. Um, so I want to ask you a little bit, uh, Danny, I'm going to throw you some curveballs here and I want to see if you have okay. any, uh, stories or some recent interactions, um, about using print in your career so far, um, or any stories around print and packaging. Who, um, <laughs> I have done print, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. it's been quite a while. Um, you know, I think one of, um, my stints was at a design studio where we, we did a lot and. You know, I think uh, if, <laughs> I remember one time I, I designed a candy bar package, okay. uh, you know, and it's something we had never done before. It's actually kind of interesting because, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, government regulations about how you design food packaging and, yes. you know, how you, you know, label it and how big the font has to be. And, 
you know, especially this is in Canada, um, you know, making sure that there's a, you know, equal amount of nutritional information for um, English and French um, audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, worked, worked with the team on that. I think what was kind of interesting is that, um, I mean, what I thought was pretty cool is that we designed the box that holds, you know, that gets sent out to all the shopping um, uh, malls or whatever. And they would house like, I don't know, whatever, like 48 of these candy bars. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we actually did a kind of cool thing where we, you know, had done it. So um, you die cut the box. And when you open it up, you have like a nice little like display of like, you know, mountains and all this stuff. And I mean, it was nice. But the truth was, it was like, it was, it was a crazy production effort, <laughs> you know, to, to kind of like, you know, get the amount of images in there to get all those points to, to get that kind of die cut to work and, um, mm-hmm. and then ship it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was fun. I, I mean, like it was crazy even up until about like 18 months ago, I, I saw it in a dusty shelf of co-op. So oh, I mean, nice. it, was, it was still being used. <laughs> it's still out and about there. I, I don't know if it's the last box ever, but uh, I still saw it. So, so that's go- great. So going back to those sort of internal meetings about that box and creating it, rather than just a standard box, um, what was the de- or why was the decision made to do something a little bit different, a little bit special with the mountain range, and you know, to create something else? Yeah, you know. Um, the name, the name of this um, chocolate company kind of escapes me. I, I kind of felt like it was something like Rocky Mountain Chocolates or something of that ilk, right? Yeah, that's a big um, one out, out west here. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think definitely you kind of want to, you know, do something that, you know, supports their branding. You know, it was a premium chocolate. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it was pretty nice. They they sent over tons of boxes to our office, which um, Ooh, good tough. or bad, you, <laughs> <laughs> you, you 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 take a take it with a grain of salt. Um, and you know, you you kind of want something that you know really just complements that. You know, the, the premium chocolate, the premium brand that this was. And you know, we spent a lot of time and um, effort just sort of trying up different ways to sort of not just have the packaging of each individual bar, but you know, something that's going to be like a nice display in like, you know, the shelf of the supermarket or, right. you know, where you're going to be to, to see this. Perfect. So just really creating a, a visual representation of that brand and giving the visual perception of a high quality product. Well, certainly, certainly. And just, I think at the same time, and, I don't know what the set design coming back in. You know, I, I like building little dioramas, you know, like mm-hmm. building something that just makes it just a little bit more 3D. So, you know, that box in its own sense is kind of like a little miniature display case. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I like the way you put that. Um, before I get into some of the tough questions, yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit more um, about the set design and um, just sure. tell me more about that. Assume that I know nothing. Assume you know nothing. Um yeah, you know, uh, set design to me is kind of like a physical manifestation of things on stage that help support, um, you know, a play or performance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, it can kind of be really functional, like, hey, person enters from stage left, goes to the table, picks up a cup and drinks it. You know, and then you kind of have like, you know, some um, real tangible things that maybe have to be there according to the text of the script mm-hmm. you know other times you know it could be a lot more imaginative there's like um 
you know, I, I think I talked about the improvisational nature of some things where, mm-hmm. you know, things can kind of be a lot more metaphorical. You know, I think there's, um, uh, you know, the Quebec director, Robert Lepage, he, he does really great work that way. And, um, you know, a, while, a number of years back, I saw another one. Um, uh, Sisby Banzi is dead with Peter Brook. And, you know, that was one of those touring shows that all they needed was cardboard, essentially. And they basically, every place they go, they just get like a whole bunch of cardboard. They kind of create up like the set and, you know, they just use pieces of cardboard and just as metaphors for different things. You know, it, it kind of becomes a chair, it becomes a door, you know, it's like um, it becomes papers for the government, whatever it is. And, you know, stuff like that really, really intrigues me where, you know, we don't have to hit you over the head with things. Um, and let's try to elevate um, you know, sort of common materials to sort of have like, you know, a, like a higher level of meaning, you know, and, and I think people are pretty imaginative. I mean, like, you know, you, you know, I, I think people love using their imagination and sort of get that in front of you to, um, you know, extend, you know, what your understanding of, you know, the, the day-to-day world is. Mm-hmm. So kind of a long-winded answer to what set design is. <laughs> no, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely something that is passionate to you. You're passionate about that. Um, uh, you know, I love, I love, I love going to uh, performing arts whenever possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, so the next couple of questions I have for you, Danny, take you down part of your career where you likely made some mistakes, uh, learned some lessons. And I want to pull those stories out for the listeners here. Yeah, um, for sure. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Okay, yeah. You know, um, I think getting started <laughs> was, was the most challenging thing. Um, maybe I should qualify getting started the second time. <laughs> um, okay. you know, I think when I got out of um, art school in Calgary, uh, I landed my first job really easily. Um, mm-hmm. There was kind of no problems. You know, the economy was running, you know, at a pretty good tick and um, – you know, I got this job, um, you know, working in Germany, which I thought at the time was fantastic. Um, you know, kind of come back to Calgary, uh, maybe about a year and a half later, you know, the economy was in the doldrums. Um, there wasn't a lot of work, especially, you know, for someone that, you know, was still young to the industry. And it was really, really hard to just kind of try to find some place to break in, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was working, you know, a, you know, at a bank for like my day job at the time, just to you know make some coin, mm-hmm. and you know, to your parents <laughs> who like me were never high on art school to begin with, they're like that bank is a really great place to work and you can make a <laughs> career there. Um, but you know, I was like, I was doing what I can. I, I I really wanted to get into the industry, and I was like, you know, working like early mornings or nights just so I could have like time of the day to meet people and just mm-hmm. try to just try to hustle work. Um, you know, and it, that, that was kind of hard, honestly. It's just like, you know, just, uh, making the phone calls, you know, showing your book, uh, trying to, you know, talk to new people all the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, for, for me at that time, kind of, um, you know, not starting my career in that market, you know, I didn't have that sort of, um, you know, even some, you know, a strong network to sort of like, you know, begin with. Yes. Yeah. Um, so how did you get through that part? Was it just, Keep your head down, keep going? Uh, you know, yeah, definitely keep my head down, keep going. I mean, like, you know, if I wanted to be a part of the industry, um, 
which I felt at that time I wanted to do, <laughs> then, then I kind of did what I had to do. I mean, like, um, you know, I, I think I tend a little bit more on the introspective side and, you know, I, I, I want to do it. And, you know, I was making those phone calls as, as well as I can to all the creative directors in town and, you know, getting out there. And I would say that's not natural to who I am normally, mm-hmm. but, if I, you know, I, I felt like it was better than, you know, like, Hey, let me just email your resume that no one's going to look at, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, a few times it worked out too, where, you know, you meet some people and be like, Hey, wait, wait, we're not hiring, which is, which happens a lot, but I know someone else that maybe you can talk to And, you know, it, obviously it, it eventually paid off, you know, um, you know, met the right people that kind of gave me a tip that one of their friends had just left this agency and so I called them right away. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know. So it's really recognizing the opportunities. And when you're out there, you know, showing your portfolio, trying to get a gig, um, really listening. And if they say, sorry, we're not looking for someone right now, okay, I appreciate your time. Who do you know of anybody who is? Yeah. You know, and really cool. just working that network. No, that's totally it too. And also getting feedback on your book too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, um, man, you know, I think there were like little tidbits I probably picked up from everyone, right? Like, hey, this piece is a little bit weak or hey, you can kind of shore this up or even like, you know, um, uh, creative director I talked to, I mean, he was super helpful in just helping me like craft a pitch on the phone, you know? Because, I mean, like he can't, you know, he was like in advertising and um, obviously understood the, the use of a hook and, mm-hmm. you know, just like, you know, you got 20 seconds to, you know, call him up, get past the receptionist. You know, what are you going to say to get that, you know, get that uh, interview, right? So Totally. It's like it's sales. And, and, you know, when you boil it down, it's sales. And sales does not come naturally to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So I want to rewind a little bit because you just jumped over something like it was nothing. You're like, yeah, I finished art school, then went to Germany for a year and a half, and then came back. Did I hear that right? Uh, more or less, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, yeah, my first gig out of uh, art college was actually in uh, Germany, town near Stuttgart. Okay, tell me about that. How did, you, how did that come about? <laughs> what was that? How did that come about? Um, yeah, you know, I was um, working as a digital designer for mm-hmm. – um, agency out there and really what happened was um so i went to the alberta college of art and design at mm-hmm. that time and one of their art directors you know he had moved to canada as a teenager from germany mm-hmm. and you know he went to acad uh, and he ended up moving back to germany afterwards and um you know he you know his parents still would live out there in alberta he he was back visiting visiting the college they needed some people to hire <laughs> Um, you know, and he, he was able to make some connections and, you know, I, I got to, I got to go over and, um, uh, you know, ply my trade over there, <laughs> so to speak. So it was, it was pretty awesome that way. Yeah. Okay. So did you know German going over there? Uh, strangely enough, I did have a little bit of German. <laughs> okay. That's- I, yeah. It's, 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 it's weird sort of like, um, I don't know, coincidence, mm-hmm. kismet, whatever you want to call it. Um, cause you know, I, I mentioned I'd gone to university before I went to art college yeah. and, um, you know, besides, you know, graduating with set design as mm-hmm. a degree, I had actually taken a lot of German courses. Like I was maybe like, I don't know, two classes away from having it being a formal minor. 
Crazy. So, okay. So yeah, you definitely knew some German. So, so I knew some German and it was, I think it was helpful for sure. <laughs> you can go over there and throw around a guten Tag or two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can, I can ask for a curry first. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Um, getting back to the tough stuff. Um, yeah, tough stuff. I want you to take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. How did that feel? What was that like? Take us to that story. Yeah. You know, um, you know, I was a design agency one time and we were working for, um, you know, a provincial regulatory body at that time. Uh And, you know, I, I thought, it, it started out great. You know, they had like initiatives that they wanted to do to try to help uh, educate. Let's see. Uh, we'll say university age to uh, young adults about, um, you know, different sort of like financial planning and mm-hmm. uh, things you want to do. I mean, it sounds kind of dry, but those were kind of like prime opportunities in people's lives to sort of try to educate people. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, the brief sounded great. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of leeway to be really creative um, and come up with ways that were, you know, not the standard. Here's a brochure and here's some dry material about how you can, you know, buy some RSPs and plan yeah. some for your financial future. But you know, we actually took a took a lot of um, creativity and sort of like coming up with like a, you know, really integrated like um, humorous tone to it. You know, created like mascots created like sort of like characters um kiosks you know really illustrated sort of um design sense to it right and you know we were doing like you know sort of like pretty cheeky like radio and um you know web animations that kind of like was really just trying to hit home about like you know about some of these core messages for financial planning Mm-hmm. But in sort of like a really humorous sort of like, you know, like tongue in cheek way just to try to appeal to that sort of like um, you know, university, young adult sort of um, age group. Okay. Um, so everything was kind of going great. I mean, you know, we were, we were doing it. We, we had focus grouped it. It was testing really well. Um, you know, but, you know, as some provincial bodies go, it's unfortunately going through some <laughs> going through some uh, difficulties PR wise at the time. Mm-hmm. And um you know, a little bit of um, a, little, a little bit of scandal, a little bit of uh, intrigue, I guess. Kind of, um, kind of put a bit of a derailing on this project because I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, from, instead of it being a project that you know you sort of put out and be like, hey, this is like something that we're doing that's really great, it kind of became one in their portfolio of like, hey, yeah, we know we've done some wrong guys, but wait, wait, we're doing some good stuff too, and they're trying to use some of the work and other other work that was kind of going on to sort of be as a trying to generate some good PR, try to like do some damage control, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just sort of um, some of those things. And it was, it was difficult, you know, and, and even on the client side as well, what was kind of difficult about it was that it was obviously a challenging environment over there. And there's a bit of a revolving door of people we were working with, you know, towards the latter, mm-hmm. you know, the latter stages. So, you know, there'd be new people, people that maybe didn't have all the background, were just trying to finish, which was hard. <laughs> you know, at some point we had run out of money, so we were like, you know, not even making money off this. We were just really oh, just trying boy. to get out the door. So <laughs> it I, I think the latter parts were, were pretty hard just to just to execute, you know. But I think um 
you know, it was kind of, you know, the first two thirds were, were fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. But to get it across the finish line was painful. Uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. But it was done. It was done. Yes. Lesson, lessons were learned. Lessons were learned. I think I'm you know, still proud of the work for sure. And I think, um, you know, I think the work was good. I think maybe it's just, you know, how it was rolled out. Yes. Could have been a lot better. I mean, definitely there was some, um, frustrations, you know, working with, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of different stakeholders that would mm-hmm. sort of come in just as we're trying to, you know, get it, over, you know, get out the door. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, that was hard. <laughs> Definitely. Okay. Um, what is something you are struggling with in your design career right now? Ah, oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, I think like a lot of people, it's sort of, um, you know, maybe just thinking about like, what am I going to do when I grow up still? <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. um, I think, you know, even just chatting with you, uh, right now, Dave, it's sort of like, you know, I think I've, I've taken a journey. Uh, I don't expect it to end. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I definitely want to keep designing. Uh, but you know what, the, uh, what, what I want to do is, is going to keep changing because the, the field's a lot different, you know? Um, yeah, I'm here at the university, um, you know, designing, for a lot of their uh, digital applications. And, mm-hmm. you know, I probably wouldn't have thought I'd been doing that even a couple years ago. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, technology is changing. People's literacy about um, what the design is changing and there's just different opportunities and that just keep kind of coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm forcing you to take a real good look at your <laughs> your, <laughs> your journey and your current state, Danny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'd be a circuitous route, maybe. Who knows? All right. Well, I'll turn this bus around for you, but I'd like you to tell us about a project that you've been a part of that you are the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing, or maybe the biggest design feather in your cap. Oh, you know, um, yeah, I think I think I've done like solid work throughout my career. But you know what? Something I thought was actually really cool was uh, was this. So I was back in Calgary um, a few months ago. And they have this brand new uh, public library downtown. It's 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 fantastic. Um, and I was I was coming out the door. I saw a group of kids going by from I don't know some sort of like summer camp or something, right? And they had this T-shirt with a logo on it. Now it was you know it was, it was for this like um, youth charity group. I didn't design this, mm-hmm. but. I was part of the GDC up there, the Graphic Designers of Canada. Yep. And um, for a number of years, you know, the organization, you know, in, in Alberta South there had actually paired up with a, a lot of nonprofits, a lot of charities, as well as, um, you know, sort of like a Mission Impossible team of creatives, you know, yep. be like, hey, the creative director from here and designers from here. And we mix and match them all up to try to produce like really, um, really meaningful work for some of these charities that – you know, honestly, couldn't afford it. You know, couldn't afford this kind of talent, mm-hmm. let alone couldn't afford this kind of work in the usual sense, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so, when I saw these kids going by, they were all wearing uh, Youth Central shirts. And I remembered um, maybe a bunch of years ago, you know, one of the teams that we had, you know, put together had created that logo and a whole bunch of uh, you know other branding material for them. And that's really cool to sort of see that. Hey, you know here's a group that probably couldn't afford this kind of work and talent and they're still using it. 
And, you know, I thought it was pretty cool to see, like, I don't know, like 30 kids wearing this T-shirt with, you know, big logo. And, you know, it it was fantastic. So I think that, you know, there's like, um, you're doing a little bit of good in the world. (laughs) So this was a pro bono project that a sort of dream team from the GDC in Alberta South there put together and did work for this organization. Yeah, that, that's uh, essentially it. Yeah, very cool. Then yeah. seeing it out there in the wild—that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, like you know, I was—I um, wasn't a designer on the team. I was one of the organizers. But you know, it's—it's it's sweet to think that um, you know there's there's some you know social benefit for mm-hmm. you know the efforts that you do for sure. You touched a part of that project, and that's important. Yes. There you go. I can, I can, I can like high five it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, Danny, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? Ah, oh, you know, I heard a lot of answers on your podcast here, Dave. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that no one said this one yet. I'm going to say a recycling bin beside your desk. All right. And I'd like hey. you to expand on that because you are the first one to say it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why. Um, you know, obviously, um, doing your... Uh, Reuse, reduce recycling is great for the environment. Um, you know, being a designer and like, you know, when you're kind of going around to, you know, work with other designers, mm-hmm. I love using pen and paper. And, you know, thankfully, most people have a recycling bin beside their desk that I can reach in and grab scrap pieces of paper from so we can draw. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's drawing on your desk. Um, so I've probably saved, oh, I don't know, you know, that recycling bin's probably saved a bunch of, you know, desktops from being drawn on with a Sharpie. Um, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, blue bin of, uh, love. <laughs> so, <laughs> Perfect. yeah, but, that, but that's really, it. I mean, I love paper and pen and, uh, you know, having a easily accessible supply of paper beside everyone's desk is, is fantastic. Just walk around the office and grab one of those and one of those. Yeah. yeah. And you're all set. <laughs> All right, Danny, you're at the point of the show for the Ask It Forward question. I got a question for you from my previous guest, and you have the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. So my previous guest was Jake Meyer, and his studio name is, he's sorry, the creative director and owner of a studio called I Will Design for Food. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome work that they do. Uh, His episode went up today, actually. So um, his question was, how do you handle clients with horrible creative input or feedback? Whew. <laughs> That's a tough one. I haven't worked agency side for a while, um, but definitely you can maybe um, talk about it from, uh, I can talk about it from agency side and maybe like an internal side as well. Mm-hmm. So from the agency side, I think that if it ever gets super terrible, you have the option to fire that client. Yes. You know, um, you know, you can sort of, you know, try to be cordial about it, try to be pro about it and be like, you know, agree to disagree, but I think we're going to have to stop working. Yeah. I don't think this relationship is working. <laughs> now, when you're kind of internal in-house, like I've been for um, quite some number of years, that's hard sometimes. I would love to sit there and say sometimes, and be like, hey, you're fired. <laughs> yeah. Out of here. But that's not happening. And, um, you know, the truth is you want, you want to, you want to work well with people and um, build relationships because, you know, you're going to spend a lot of time just collaborating and, um, you know, trying to get stuff done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I guess the best thing I can hope for is just try to communicate, you know, tr- um, 
try to be really clear what the goal of some of the work is and really try to shape the kind of feedback that's going to come from some of these um, clients. We'll call them stakeholders now. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know they're they're a stakeholder for a reason, and their input is going to be value, valuable rather. Um, but I think sometimes you got to shape what that input is. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe for example, you know they, they got a terrible color sense. Okay, that's fine. Let's try to make sure that you know when we're so you know soliciting feedback from certain people that we're going to get the best value of their feedback that we can get. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I like to hope that's uh, successful, we'll say 88% of the time. <laughs> I like it. 88%. <laughs> Perfect. What is your, um, ask it forward question? Okay. I'm going to ask it forward. Um, so I cribbed something I saw, um, from participation recently. Okay. And, uh, they had this thing on their Instagram where they said, uh, let's see the biggest mistake you can do is to do nothing when you can only do a little mm-hmm. right now obviously it's talking about like you know like trying to get out there and be active and exercise but you know i kind of thought it's actually kind of like a it was a nice thought for anything, anything. so I, yeah so i kind of thought maybe for um the next designer after me maybe uh taking that in mind i was like wondering what can a designer do right now to help make the world a better place. Hmm. I like it. Yeah. And so it doesn't need to be big, but you know, any, you know, little thing that they can do then and there. I like it. Danny, you made it to the end, man. That's the end of the quickie podcast. <laughs> man, it didn't feel quick, but, uh, I guess it was. Yeah. You made it through. Yeah. We just powered <laughs> through. I got your brain working and the focus started. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. Hey, really, really appreciate your time. And thank you so much for being a guest on the show today. Okay. Thank you, Dave. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. And I got something here for you. Work that network. Work that network. Work that network. Work that network. All right. All right. I get it. That's enough of that. Thank you so much again for listening, everybody. I'm going to do something new this weekend. I'm not going to be releasing episodes on Saturday or Sunday. Back at it daily again on Monday. Just kind of rejigging some things. Need a couple of days to just get my head around that. So thank you for listening so far. And I will be back Monday. Have a great weekend and see you then.